0: Hello, I'm
1: Denise. I am Jack. Uh, I'm
2: Josh. Uh, Hello, everyone. I'm Tom. And I'm
3: James.
0: And welcome to the Sherim Spotlight podcast for February 2021 edition.
3: Maybe you remember Alexander Monroe?
2: Oh, yes, Alexander Monroe. He actually just came back and gave a talk here.
0: Oh, he's he's a really nice guy, really smart. Are you a friend of his? No. So you don't remember the accusations made against Al Monroe? I don't. He took a girl, Nina Fisher, the one you don't remember, back to his room where he had sex with her repeatedly and in front of his friends while she was too drunk to have any idea what was going on.
4: She was covered in bruises the next day. Handprints, I guess you could say.
1: Was it reported? Yes. Do you know who
2: Nina spoke to? You.
0: And that was a clip from Promising Young Woman and we'll be looking ahead to this and another debut film Wildflyer later. Uh, there's a lot of debuts in this month's edition. James, Tom and I will be looking at reviews for Vigo Mortensen's directorial debut drama Falling and the animation Away, both currently streaming on Modern Films platform. First we're going to pick up on the second part of Josh and Jack's interview with showroom programme manager Michaela Smith Now, this was recorded remotely via Zoom at the end of December, and they start by talking about the showroom's partnership with Modern Films.
1: I was just going to ask, um, uh, could you tell us more about the collaboration with Modern Films and the the streaming services with the showroom cinema?
4: Yeah, so kind of following on from what um, we were just talking about, it's been really nice that I suppose the one good thing that's come out of this horrific pandemic <laughs> for cinemas at least has been that there's been lots more opportunity to collaborate um and the in the, the film industry particularly working in the kind of independent exhibition sector is a bit like being an island there's like one cinema in every city and we're going it alone often um mm. but this has really brought everyone together to kind of try and save the thing that we all love it's been really Wonderful to work with LFF now, GFF. Um, but the Modern Films um partnership has been one of the best. So, when cinemas closed um back in March, um, Modern, who are a distributor but they also work in kind of development, um, they're quite a young, dis- uh, young organization, they launched in 2017. Um, the people that run it are really amazing, it's a female led organization. Um, so they wanted to keep supporting the films that they had in cinemas at the time um, and kind of keep revenue going for them. So they built a streaming platform, like many people obviously went online. Um, but the thing that's really unique about theirs is that it they partnered with um, most of the independent cinemas to continue to support us. Um, so you can rent films on their platform. It's not a subscription, it's the rent per film, PVOD. Right. Um, And they split the revenue 50-50, I think, usually, um, with the cinema. And the audience can choose which cinema they want to support. It's like you kind of view that film from that cinema, but in your home.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's quite cool.
4: Um, So there's loads of wonderful cinemas um, on there. If you're not based in Sheffield, there's like Watershed in Bristol and Broadway from Nottingham. I Mm. think GFT, Glasgow um, are on there as well. So it's really reaching out nationally to cinema audiences um, and kind of supporting across the chain, which is really nice. Um, And they've also partnered with some other kind of independent distributors who we would be showing films from to support them and their films and support us at the same time um, and give audiences access to the films that they would be able to see in independent cinemas if we weren't all closed. Um, so there's some really wonderful things on there. Um, at the moment you can see, uh, what's on there right now? The new film directed by Vigo Mortensen has just been added, Falling. Um, that's really good. Uh, there's a really lovely kind of meditative film, kind of romantic film with Andrea Risborough called Luxor. Or if you really like Andrea Riseborough, there's, there's two Andrea Riseborough films on there at the moment. The other one is Possessor, which is Vastly different, <laughs> which I, yeah, I watched watch. that. Recently, I watched it during LFF, and it's horrific. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you need a really strong stomach to watch it, but I I loved it. I'm actually quite a big fan of David Cronenberg. Um, so this is Brandon Cronenberg, his son, um, and he's really taken in the family penchant for disgusting body horror, um, but kind of warped it in his own way. So that's a really interesting film about, um kind of assassins that I suppose, I mean, you've seen it. They kind of, go, they kind of possess people's bodies, I suppose. They act as parasites in people's minds. You yeah. infiltrate and do these assassins. And Andrea Rinesborough is cold. <laughs> She's cold in it, um, it which is just, like amazing. But um, I really love that film. So if you are horrific like me, um, then I really recommend renting that. <laughs> uh some of the proceeds can go to your favourite independent cinema. Um, but that's one of the ways that Modern adapted. And I would hope that um, moving forward, that doesn't go away. So because we're in the business of kind of working with really small films, um, it can be very difficult to make sure that films are on screen for long enough. Um, at the moment, there's an average of 17, still 17? 17, um, Last time I checked, there's an average of 17 films released into the UK every week. Obviously not this year, because nothing's been released. Mm, (laughs) Some stuff has been released. (laughs) Um, But in a normal year, there's around 17 films released every week, um, which is huge. And if you think, we only have four screens, so we might be able to show three new films in a week. Um, And then the multiplexes will show like three or four, but they choose the really biggest titles. So every week there's films being released that are just not making it into cinemas or that are only making it into kind of 20 cinemas. Um, And I would hope that this kind of platform with modern, if it grows um, or similar online platforms will allow cinemas to almost gain a screen and will be able to provide further access to audiences like these are the films that we have on but also we want to signpost to these other films that we maybe can't support right now but we really want to shine a light on so that's exciting I think
5: yeah definitely um as uh, leading on from covid as well um has the cinema found any benefit in the adaptations taken by the industry
4: um I mean other than what I've discussed at the moment, I think there's some exciting stuff to come with streaming, um, yeah. which is a very different conversation to the one that the industry was having last year, where everyone was like, "Ah, oh, it's killing cinema, which I just, I don't think it is. <laughs> Personally, I think that um, the range of things that are available and the different types of streaming platforms available will hopefully fingers crossed, Um, provide wider access to a wider range of film for people and will encourage kind of adventurous film watching that will ultimately produce more film lovers, which will should hopefully produce more cinema goers. Um, That's my theory. I did not grow up in a town with um, an independent cinema and I had a multiplex like if I caught the bus. Mm, And then I kind of moved into a bigger town where that multiplex was and I loved the cinema. I would go all the time, but I didn't have access to independent film or world film until my kind of very late teens, early twenties. And when I started developing those tastes, I relied on streaming platforms. I relied on Netflix and Curzon Home Cinema and sometimes not like then movie, but sometimes now movie. Mm. (laughs) Um, So I think You know access is really important and this year hopefully has provided more access um and a wider range of content online um that i would hope will encourage people to get into film in new ways so i don't think it spells the end and i think if you look at where we were at the end of last year the start of this year with um kind of cross-platform titles I don't think it was spelling particularly bad news. Um, People were really worried that some of the most exciting titles were being brought up by Netflix. Um, And yes, I would like them to work with cinemas more cohesively. I'd like them to really think about cinemas in a serious way and think about theatrical in in a way that benefits both of us. So yeah, if you look at kind of when we were reopening in september in the absence of really big titles it was um netflix that were filling that gap and offering mm-hmm. us like david Fincher's mank and the new ben wheatley film um and basically keeping cinema doors open and keeping audiences interested so i think we can definitely work together and at the end of last year you know we had the irishman we had marriage story um in january we had Uncut Gems, it was such a good start to the year. Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. (laughs)
4: It was so promising. Um, But, you know, all these big titles were available or were going to be available in two or three weeks, and we didn't see major drop-off from audiences. We saw, actually, probably more engagement from young people because Netflix is, like, free marketing. Um, So I don't think it will kind of doom and gloom. I think people still want to come to the cinema. I think it's a singular and different experience to watching at home you know i remember um going to a sold out screening um the bongjin ho q a parasite at the start of the year sold out screening what does that feel like <laughs> uh, you yeah. know in our biggest screen that uh it seats 200 and like 286 people um and to experience that film the first time with like almost 300 other people who are like laughing and wincing and at some point actually clapping in my screening (laughs) very specific moments where a couple of people clapped um it's just totally different to anything that you can experience at home so I think um hopefully after a year of like intense isolation people will want that shared experience again
1: definitely I, I know I know we all do I sort of you sort of miss that Feeling of someone behind you eating popcorn really loudly, and, and someone <laughs> yeah,
4: like shaking your face, someone
1: laughing at every single joke, and,
4: and <laughs> you
1: don't get that at home.
4: Usually, <laughs> <You do. laughs> I'm that person awkwardly, <laughs> awkwardly, loudly laughing at like horrible Yogos Lanthimos films. Ha ha ha! Hilarious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, I really miss that, and I think that's the thing that I've been reflecting on most while I've been watching at home. Um, which I also find really hard because I live on a busy road. It's very light. I miss the cinema, but I miss, um, I've been thinking about like the particular screenings, like that parasite screening that have stuck in my memory because specifically because of the whole audience experience and what that, how that changed kind of my experience of watching the film.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so was so going away from all that sort of doom and gloom of COVID, um, <laughs> The showroom is obviously a venue It's uh, quite accommodating to a range of demographics. Um, So not just different audiences, but um, subtitle features for child friendly programmes and, and uh, disabled access and all of this. Um, This is a constant conscious effort by the showroom, um, which maybe sets it apart from other cinemas in Sheffield um, or just the whole of South Yorkshire.
4: Um, it is a conscious effort. I mean, I, we are publicly funded um, and in my opinion, if we're publicly funded, we have a duty to provide a public service that is accessible to everyone um, and that is not exclusive. So we strive to um, make sure that all or at least most of what we show can be accessed by a range of people. And also that what we show is representative of a range of people. Um, But I think there's always ways that we can do better. I don't think we're perfect at all. Um, And actually I think the whole industry has a long way to go. Um, But yeah, we try and do a range of programs. So we do, as you said, kind of subtitled screenings for deaf and hard of hearing audiences every Monday. Um, We just designate the whole day and show everything captioned um, where possible. And that's kind of where I think that the industry problems are, is distributors are not always captioning films as standard. Um, we and kind of the UKCA have done a bit of lobbying there um, and it's getting better. The BFI now, say anything they fund requires captions as standard. So if you're getting BFI money, you have to be able to um, provide for those audiences. But I think, you know, there's still a long way to go. People aren't providing cap- trailers with captions. Um, people aren't providing ads with captions, so the experience isn't as full as I would like it to be for that audience. Um, and that's something we're always working on. Um, but yeah, we also, you know, we provide headsets for people who um, are sight impaired and might need, um, audio description, mm. we have ramps in every screen and um, lifts so the venue is as accessible as possible. Um, we do autism-friendly screenings and things like that, family screenings, baby-friendly screenings. Um, and for most of those programs, for like the baby-friendly screenings, for example, we try to just put on whatever we think the best film of the week that week is, mm. instead of being like, oh, it's probably parents or guardians they're gonna to wanna to see The Lion King. No, they can come and see, I don't know, 1917 if that's what they are interested in, if that's what the exciting title of that week is. It's just about providing access to great cinema. Um, so that's always in our minds. How can we be more accessible? How can we um, engage different types of audiences? Um, and is our programme really representative or is it just the same thing over and over again? We try and avoid that. Um, but I think, I don't know, I would hope that that's not the thing that sets us apart from other cinemas um, because I think that that's like the bare minimum.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, it is like a, a good thing, even though it is sort of, yeah, you're at the, the bare minimum. Um, and obviously it's an independent cinema, so it's, yeah. it's, it's separate in its own way.
4: I would hope that, yeah, I would hope that we get to a point where all the cinemas are doing all of that and the yeah. caption screenings, there should be a lot more of them. Um, I watch everything with subtitles anyway because I'm always eating loudly. So <laughs> <laughs> like I need to be able to read it as well. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got a way to go to be accessible to everyone. I'd like to see everyone doing it as standard. Um, and I Definitely, think the yeah. things that really set us apart as a cinema are shouldn't be that I think there are other things that um are unique to us as an independent
5: so yeah um (laughs) final question um with some of the showrooms appeal discussed throughout the interview it's abundantly clear there's almost a human touch to it with that being said how is the venue received by the diverse community of the steel city
4: you have to ask the communities (laughs) (laughs) get out on the streets do some vox pops no not in covid times Um, I mean, I think that it is received well. I would hope that it's received well. Um, it's strange to talk about it now because I've been in my house for so long, um, but before, in the before times, the before times, um, I would spend a lot of time on the floor and at box office. I introduce a lot of screenings um, and spend a lot of time kind of talking to audiences because I love them. Um, and so, it's that real kind of sense of community within the venue that I think makes our cinema particularly special. Um, and the sense that, you know, people can come and chat to our box office staff about the films that we have on. And they'll, you know, we often have people coming in and they're just like, what, what's good? <laughs> what have you got that's good? <laughs> um, and we'll be able to kind of find a film for them. Um, in our programme that will excite them, hopefully, and that they'll like, or that if they don't like at least, they can then come and be like, why? (laughs) Why did you do that? And have a kind of discussion around it. Um, So I think and I hope that the people of Sheffield really respond well and enjoy um, coming to the cinema um, and enjoying the social experience that they can get even if they come on their own. And I hope that people feel that the program is tailored um, to the people of Sheffield because that's what we try to do. Yeah.
5: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Every time I've been, it definitely does feel like very welcoming and homely. Like it's feels different to any other cinema I've been to, I'd say.
4: I'm glad. What What, what cinemas do you
5: know that have a, a bar and they, uh,
1: a little social area outside yeah. of the the screen.
4: I mean, probably one of my yeah. favourite elements of the cinema, and that's probably why we host so many um, kind of discussions and panels and Q&As is that I really enjoy, um, like, after the film, the ability to, like, decompress and have a pint and chat mm. about, like, oh, my God, <laughs> what have I just seen? I remember when I first came out of... Um, what was it, Widows, Steve queen's Widows, which not everyone loved, but I absolutely loved. And I just, like, sat there looking into my beer like, Daniel. here. <laughs> and it's that kind of experience of, like, the anticipation and the film watching, but then also the discussion and decompression afterwards um, mm. that I think is really exciting, and it's nice to be able to provide all the layers of that, I
1: think. Yeah, and Yeah. And it's not just a bar, is it? It's, uh, they have, you have... Um what, like uh, quizzes and, and... Yeah, we well, do our... Probably not at the moment, but...
4: Um, no, in the before times, uh, we have our monthly film quiz, which is hosted mm. by our cinema manager, Simon Beaumont, who's been with us for years. Um, and I don't do that quiz because it's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the film programmer. I can't do the quiz. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I recommend you try. Um, but yeah, we do that. We occasionally host music and we'll do kind of cross... Um, cross, I guess, department events where yeah, I've screened a film um, and then we'll have a DJ in the bar that's kind of replicating the vibe, um, or we'll have like, we've done poetry and things like that, that kind of reflect um, particular films that we've done. So it's really nice to be able to provide, like to use the whole venue um, to kind of do film tie-ins and really lengthen um, the experience of the film.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Michaela. And uh, thank
4: you for having me. <laughs> it's been
1: really interesting to find out more about the showroom.
4: Cool. Um, yeah, I think that's all. I can't close it off very well. Uh, no, it's been really nice to chat to you. Um, yeah. Have a great day. Yeah, thank you, you too. for listening as yeah. well. Thanks very who much. Have listened <laughs> in the future.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you very much.
0: Thanks to Michaela. I was actually at that Parasite screening uh, that she talked about, and it does feel a very long time ago. Um, Michaela is blogging regularly throughout the pandemic, and this month um, the showroom would have been celebrating the LGBTQ plus History Month and showing some special screenings. Um, Instead, they're recommending films that you can watch online, so it's worth checking out the um, showroom's website or Twitter or Facebook um, and to find out a bit more about that. And now for some reviews. So, um, Tom and James and I have been looking at the film Falling and Away. Uh, first of all, James with Falling.
3: Falling is a directorial debut for Vigo Mortensen, and for a first timer, it's not bad at all. The film follows Willis, played brilliantly by Lance Henriksen, who has dementia, which is getting increasingly worse, and John, played by Vigo Mortensen, who stars as well as directs, must help his father. However, Willis does not want the help. Willis is from a bygone age. He's a stereotypical blue-collar Midwestern farmer, racist and homophobic, and believes California is full of flag burners, and with his dementia, is getting worse with what he says. His son, John, however, is happily married to another man, a male nurse, and they live in California, and they're both quite cultured. Their idea of fun with their adopted daughters to go see an art exhibition, something children love to do. So we see these two worlds collide constantly. However, that would be my main reason for the film not being better than not bad. The constant arguing is tiresome. Understandably, I imagine it is with someone suffering with dementia. But Willis' outbursts at the beginning of the film can be amusing. By halfway through, I felt that there was a lack of just normal conversation. Maybe one or two could have been sprinkled in just to have a break between the homophobic tirades. However, I did feel the final argument which felt more like a boxing match, incidentally a few punches are thrown, with the other arguments being run-ups and weigh-ins to the actual main event, is a great bit of acting between the two. Viggo Mortensen's John really does finally give it to Willis with both both barrels. Finally getting off his chest, he has a built-up animosity towards his father. Throughout the film, we see glimpses of John's home life as a child to a teenager, and it's not exactly a great one. We come to find out that Willis is not just a horrible because of his dementia, he is just a horrible person in general, and his son or the rest of the family would be in their right to simply wash their hands of him. However, that is one of the strong points of the film. It's themes surrounding family and what that means, whether it's forgiveness or the duty of to help our family, or quite simply, how different other families can be and therefore how different our own family is. Overall, the film was a good directorial debut by Viggo Mortenson and I really enjoyed it.
0: So you'd uh, you'd recommend it overall, then, James?
3: Yeah, I'd recommend it.
0: Yeah, I really like. I thought it was really unusual in the way that it approached the character, because quite a lot of the time in these films, they're they're very sympathetic, and it's like we've lost a really nice person to dementia. And he's clearly unlikable from the beginning, isn't he? I mean, the first thing he does is brings his baby son home and apologises him for bringing him into the world. He's really, he's like the worst dad advert f- forever. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think, Tom?
2: Uh, I think sort of James's review hit a lot of my issues on it as well. Like it's not sort of consistent in terms of its narrative. And uh, just generally I think like it's quite sort of overdrawn, which is a massive detriment given it's not a consistent sort of film.
0: Oh, I thought it really brought out the confusion and the, uh, so, because he as a central character, um, Lance, who the actor who plays um, the father, he's really confused, but he's not confused because he feels like he's right. So I, I loved some of the imagery that they used as well. I thought it was really sort of poetic. Um, I found it really absorbing, and especially some of some of the fight scenes I really liked. So I loved that moment when they're out having the barbecue and you can just feel the tension. It's You never you never know what this guy's gonna do next, do you?
3: The barbecue scene was good. I, I enjoyed that one. And uh, especially when the kids just got up and left because they've had enough of his
0: <laughs> carryings
3: on. And it was like, it, it felt like, why haven't the son and daughter just done this already? Like. The idea of kids just say it as it is rather than, you know, the carry on and lava that you have with family members as you get Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: But it does say a lot about um, loving relationships and you don't choose who your family are, do you? And you but you choose whether to stay or not. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really, really touching, really well done.
3: I guess in some ways it's more about John being, a, you know, being a son to his father than, I guess, Willis just being a crappy dad.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. There's a really good Q&A as well, I think, that you can watch. I don't know if you saw the Q&A as well, but there is a and a that you can watch when you watch this film on Modern Films. I'd recommend that too for a bit of insight into the making of the film. So thanks very much, James. Uh, Tom, yeah, we're going to have a listen to your review for Away Now, which is also showing on the Modern Films platform.
2: Feature debut for Latvian director Gint A Away continues his auteur style in a 75 minute tale following a young man marooned on an island and his efforts to find a means of returning home, all whilst him and his newfound pet bird are pursued by an ominous dark spirit. Away's visuals pack the most charm. While well, it's not quite a whole cell shaded animation, there's certainly a dialed down aspect of that, and such a look now feels shabbily refined and realised after the director's prior short film outings, proving themselves to be more capable and comfortable in that sort of aspect of visual filmmaking i suppose and animation itself of course now at this film in isolation the colors pop and contrast extremely well and the environments are stunning impeccably stunning, like i might add and it's just such a rich visual experience as a whole which sort of leaning off the back of that there's certainly a number of video game sensibilities now, whether it be the visuals themselves, or something like the use of grand set pieces and chapters that are quite sort of reminiscent of levels, it's a neat replication of that medium, and perhaps led to an overall satisfaction by the time it finished. It a progression, a clear progression narratively, and it felt sort of worthy of the time commitment, which benefits its opt of silence as well. It almost demands more attention and focus, and that is paid off with a satisfying end to the film itself. Now, zoning in exclusively on the story elements, its telling leans into the benefits of the medium of film. Again, rich visual style, just to highlight that once more. Its exceptional use of editing, and its structure is also linked off to that, so on. There's a simple case of reaching from Z from A, and we sort of journey with the maroon protagonist, and his tweet and tag along, as a pair pursued by a gargantuan dark spirit. Whilst not much is elaborated on at all regarding the origins of that presence, or really sort of any other story elements themselves, I for one can sort of let that slide, it might want well to just be for high narrative stakes and if so, it's to some degree stroke of genius in terms of pure practicality given that it is the end product of a single filmmaker after all. A remarkable filmmaking achievement with an arresting visual style that was incredibly immersive, a way is deserving of any and all praise or attention you can muster and I urge you to track it down and support your local indie cinema in the process.
0: Thanks, Tom. So another, another one you enjoyed. I, I don't normally watch much animation, I'll be honest. Um, and I really liked this. I found it really absorbing. Um, I can imagine uh, it being like a real conversation starter with like, parents and kids as well, because there's no dialogue in it at all. And that what you were saying about the narrative progression, um, it tells a really, really simple, but quite scary story. It's quite frightening in places, isn't it?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's sort of, it comes from nowhere as well. It's like sort of a short burst of horror, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I can I can just I can just imagine some quite serious conversations going on about that with kids. What sort of age range do you think it appeals to?
2: Uh, I'd sort of suggest it's quite wide, given like, it's uh, not too so much sort of shocking content, I suppose, and it's quite sort of easy enough to watch, so I imagine it's pretty much for all ages.
0: Yeah. Oh, it, was really, it was really enjoyable, Really, really liked it. There were some moments of real tension again in it, um, especially with when the little bird was trying to um, fly, and the friendship that he makes with the little bird and all the animals that he makes was really nice too. So we heard a clip from Promising Young Woman at the top of the show. Um, I haven't seen this film yet. I've been anticipating it for a while. Um, It debuted last January at the Sundance Festival. Um, It's another feature-length directorial debut, this time from the actor-writer Emerald Fennell, and she was a showrunner for series two of Killing Eve, and recently was seen on television as the um, assured Camilla dimming the light of Emma Corrin's submissive Diana in the TV series, The Crown. Um, Carey Mulligan plays a woman called Cassandra, and she's on a mission to avenge the treatment of her friend from years beforehand. Um, The film's been described as a revenge thriller meets rom-com, which I'm intrigued to see how that film plays out, especially based on uh, Fennell's previous work with black comedy and violence on Killing Eve. Uh, But also just looking at the subject of psychological injustice, of rape culture coming from a female written and directed perspective. Now, some male critics have given it a muted response. Um, uh, I'm interested to get past that hype and see if it gets a positive reaction from an audience. There's a really sinister reworking of the Britney song, Toxic, in the trailer, um, and it gives it a real knowing hook in this film.
4: (laughs) You! You
3: can't be doing
5: that in here, girls. Why not? What are you doing?
3: Cut it out or get out.
5: (laughs) Sure, they've done far worse and you still serve them. (laughs) Yes, far worse. You should go on now, girls. We're not going anywhere. We haven't done anything wrong. (laughs) Someone shut that <laughs> you don't know who you're dealing with, wee girl.
0: Yeah, I do. 12th of July 92. Busy day for you, wasn't it, Cherry? My ma told me what you did. Our dad was one of the twenty-six your bomb killed. She doesn't even remember. Him. And you look at early release to keep the peace. Yeah. You might be a free man, Joey, but you're still a murderer. Alma!
2: Alma! Alma! You
0: don't know scare me,
2: mess
0: up! Huh? So, Wildfire, this is another debut film I saw at the London Film Festival towards the end of last year. So, it's another debut from director Kathy Brady, and she won the Bursary Award for New Filmmakers for this film. Um, Nora Jane Noon and the late Nika McGuigan play sisters in their 30s, from a small contemporary Northern Irish border town and they have a history of family trauma that has kind of been suppressed. Um, The germ of the idea for the film's narrative was a 2010 BBC documentary called Madness in the Fast Lane um, in which two sisters were caught on camera repeatedly running into full speed M6 motorway traffic uh, with no apparent fear for their safety or any understanding of their surroundings. And this event became a springboard for Brady to wonder what trauma these sisters could have experienced to reach this point of joint psychosis. Now, like her short films beforehand, this film features female characters whose behaviour doesn't necessarily um, conform to societal expectations or restrictions. It's got a really strong focus on these two strong central performances and they devised their um, performances with the director it makes for a really immersive and rewarding watch. I'm I'm gonna be watching it again when it comes out on the modern platform. And that's hopefully some point this spring. And just looking, so that's some films that I'm looking forward to. Um, Just asking around the table really, or around the Zoom table, um, anything that any of you are looking forward to coming up in the next uh, few months or even the next part of 2021? How about you, Tom?
2: Uh, well, uh, released this year, at least, is The Green Knight, directed by David Lowry. Uh, it's set well, based around even, an Arthurian legend, so I'll use too much plot details because that might be a spoiler of sorts, and uh, it's fronted by an exceptional cast led by Dev Patel and I Vikander, and it's some sort of fantasy epic with promises of like, short horror elements, too, and it looks incredibly interesting. Great. Right. Uh, Jack, how about you?
5: Um, I'm looking forward to Minari coming out later this year um, on the 19th of March. It's directed and written by Lee Isaac Chung. And um, it's sort of semi-autobiographical um, on his upbringing in um, Arkansas. And it's about a Korean family that moved um, to a farm in search for, quote-unquote, the American dream. And... Um, and Recently, it got nominated for Best Foreign Language Picture by the Golden Globes. So, um,
0: oh, that sounds yeah, looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward to that too. Josh, how about you?
1: Um, personally, I'm looking forward to The Father. Uh, it was scheduled for release in 2020, but uh, obviously, due to COVID, it's had to be delayed. Uh, it's directed by Florian Zeller and stars um, Anthony Hopkins, and it's uh it just looks like quite an intimate film about an aging man struggling with a uh, memory loss, and uh, his daughter sort of moves into the flat and comes to take care of him. And uh, I think it just looks like quite a moving
3: story.
0: Great. And last but not least, James, is there anything you're looking forward to in
3: particular? Well, you've already you, you said you've already seen it, Denise, but uh, Nomadland is one I've been looking forward to. About the woman, about a woman who goes off, you know, after she loses everything during the recession. Um, looking forward to that because obviously um, Frances McDormand is just great in everything she does. She's
0: wonderful in it, yeah. And it's it's I think it's hotly tipped for the Oscars that one as well, isn't it? Yeah,
3: well, you've already said, I didn't know it was already out. To be honest, until you said it this week. Yeah, but... it's
0: I saw it at the um, film uh, London Film Festival, and I think it's been due out. It's, it's had its release shuffled about as everything has. But I think it's coming out very
3: soon. Yeah, on the internet internet it said April and in other places it said March. I think it just shows how everything's been thrown around again because of Covid.
0: Oh, Oh, it's a shame, isn't it? It's a real shame. But still, there's some good stuff to look forward to. Um, We'll be back, uh, talking of stuff to look forward to, we'll be back next month in the middle of March, hopefully looking forward and ahead to some more showroom, either online or in-person
2: activity.